Hi, you're listening to the Spiritual Directions Podcast with your host, Mark Thomas Shaw. So the purpose of the Spiritual Directions Podcast is to help those seeking direction, meaning, purpose, move toward wholeness through greater spiritual awareness. And one element of entering into this process and experiencing something of the transformative capacity of the mythical journey, entering into some kind of contemplative practice, is our vision changes, the way we see ourselves, the world around us, and um, the way we interact with spiritual texts, too. And one of the touchstones we'd like to provide is a different way of reading familiar texts to see how that vision can shift, um, can change direction, provide new dimensions to how we understand kind of well-worn texts. So today we're going to read the 23rd Psalm. Uh, Certainly it's a touchstone scripture and uh, one of the most well-known scripture in the Bible to to most people, whether they have any formal expression of faith or not, it's kind of out there in the cultural ether. And um, for different reasons, it it provides a sense of comfort there, the pastoral imagery with the the shepherd and the sheep and the flock uh, provides us uh, this sense of innocence but also progression. There's a sense in the psalm of being on a, on a journey, and there's this sense of movement. So we're going to read it through, then examine what this might look like from a contemplative perspective. Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in right paths for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely, goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord my whole life long. Now, the most common takeaway of this scripture is that sense of protection being cared for amidst difficulty. Let's kind of take a closer look at how that progression takes place in this psalm. So, um, just visually on the page, it's divided up into three sections. And there's a change halfway through the psalm in how the speaker addresses the shepherd figure or God. It's a subtle shift on the level of grammar that moves from the third person, he, to the second person, you. So there's a change from indirect talking about someone at a distance with maybe a third party to a direct address of the other. So throughout that first section, he makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in right paths for his namesake. Then things change in the next sections. You are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me. You anoint my head with oil. And there's a particular moment 
of change. The section that changes it is, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Then right after that, it moves to a closer intimacy. What we might imagine in the first part is, you know, a flock of sheep. And there are two sheep at the back. One is maybe straggling. And one questions to the other, who is that up there? Who's this, this, this shepherd here? And there's a response of how he is, what he does, how he protects. That we can kind of understand as an immature state, a distance, a questioning, um, holding God over there as an object. And on that spiritual progression, there's often some kind of turbulence, some storm that knocks us over where that sense of security, community, innocence, whatever stability we've experienced is destabilized. And we move into some period of doubt, questioning, um, searching through some kind of struggle, suffering, difficulty. And that's what stands in here for the valley of the shadow of death. Some confrontation with the reality of death, maybe even on an existential level. The space that can open up and be carved out internally after that kind of wrestling on a profound level is an openness to a more direct contact with the divine, a more direct channeling, a more direct alignment. Once our former self, what we call the small self, the false self, the ego, is sanded down, filed down, we create enough internal space that's separate from that ego identity that allows a spirituality, a true self, our oneness with that on a deep level to emerge, to gradually, that awareness to grow within us. There's a line by a mystic and teacher, Anthony DeMello, who says, the path to the land of love leads through the land of death. And this psalm kind of illustrates that principle that it's through emerging out of the suffering. St. John of the Cross calls it a dark night of the soul, um, where there's this profound struggle. But out of that, a greater sense of intimacy, of direct address and encounter is made possible. So then we have no longer this kind of wandering, but a dwelling within in this third section. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. I shall dwell in the house of the Lord. Some texts read forever at the end. Some say my whole life long. And that's simply because the Jewish mentality at the time didn't necessarily have a sense of eternity um, that we've kind of developed in, in adding some Greek philosophy of the eternal sphere to our theology and kind of baking that in retroactively. So the term forever or eternity would have kind of been foreign and, and unknown when this was written. So what we have here, looking back, is a maturation process, a moving from a kind of immature state where we're sheep, we're following, um, there's some distant authority figure who provides comfort and is, is shepherding us along, but we move through some darkness through some encounter with suffering. And that's what it takes to move to a more direct uh, 
clinging, a more direct awareness, a more immediate presence. And out of that emerges this full maturation, this full adoption, no longer in the psalm characterized or symbolized by this sheep imagery, this animal imagery, but full humanity, partaking of, engaging with, dwelling along with and within. So that full flowering, that full stature, that that full maturity is what, from a contemplative perspective, this psalm is about. If we can kind of skate along on the surface and just take away a general sense of comfort from it, that our troubles, no matter how difficult, whoever our enemies are, we can think of those as physical enemies, people who antagonize us, and then we can fall back into a kind of immature dualism where the enemies are people, aggressors, people who disagree with us, people who undermine our projects, people who fight against us, who we, who we are going to take up arms against, enemies of the faith, enemies of the country, an antagonizing boss. That's a kind of surface level understanding of that term enemy. Diving a little bit deeper, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. The enemies can be our ego projects on a deeper level. It can be our addictions, our uh, attachments, those desires that keep us bogged down and our vision clouded from this true reality of dwelling and mutual indwelling with the divine that's really available and that come the New Testament, Jesus says, you can have this. It's here and now. It's called the kingdom. And it's out there for everybody. And that's the good news. Um, But there's a process of refinement and dropping our ego lenses and being open to that. So here's an example of a a simple text, short text that uh, most people know, some by heart. And uh, how a contemplative reading can kind of transform that, shift it to a new angle, let us see it in a new light, and really kind of deepen our engagement with it. One practice to do that in the contemplative tradition with a text is called Lectio Divina, or Divine Reading. I'll talk about that in a different uh, podcast. And there are several books and sites that, that touch on the practice of Lexio Divina. I'll include some in the show notes for this episode. That's at, uh, the website is markthomasshaw.com. That's M-A-R-C-T-H-O-M-A-S-S-H-A-W.com slash zero four for this particular episode. And I'm also interested for listeners, what new perspectives, new insights have you granted given some of your spiritual practice or maybe you just kind of had an epiphany at some point with a, a deeper spiritual awareness and insight into some element of your own life, someone else's life. Leave that in the comments section for this episode. You can also subscribe through iTunes, the Spiritual Directions podcast, and you can find us on SoundCloud as well, Spiritual Directions podcast. That helps get higher search rankings and get the message out there of, of, of some of the the value of contemplative practices and, and, and understanding. And certainly follow on Twitter, twitter.com slash Mark T. Shaw. That's M-A-R-C-T-S-H-A-W. 
click on like at the Facebook page as well. That's facebook.com slash Mark T. Shaw. Check out the website. It's currently in development. If you get there and there's a front page, sign up on the email list and, and you'll be notified as soon as it goes live with a bunch of goodies available, ebooks and, and posts and, and, and guest posts from some spiritual directors as well. So hope you enjoyed the episode. More importantly, hope you got something out of it. Thanks so much. Thanks for listening. Hope you enjoyed it. More importantly, hope you got something out of it. Take care. Have a great week.